Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Take your Bible this morning and turn to Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8. And you'll be ready for the preaching of God's Word this morning. What a great service. Amen. <clears throat> Boy, I was thinking back when I saw this little girl, age seven, baptized. Uh, I was baptized when I was seven. And I accepted Christ uh, on my mom and daddy's bed in their bedroom. Uh, and, you know, and I think, thought back on that and how long ago that was and how good God has been. I'm going to tell a story at the end of my message today about a guy who, whose life changed later on. But I'll tell you, the greatest testimony is not the trouble that God gets you out of, it's the trouble that he keeps you from getting into in the first place. And so when we come to Christ at an early age, and we have the, the stewardship of a whole family of God to raise us up, even though ultimately it's up to us and the Lord where we go from here, it's great to have a place like this to raise you up and to, because I'll tell you, man, you know, not only did Christ save my soul, but my church my home church saved my life, and I wish I could give my testimony about why that's true. When I saw kids in my neighborhood go to prison and be killed all around me when I was growing up, and yet because I had a church family and I had the Lord, my life was spared to this point. Amen. So we're in Romans chapter 8, uh, and we're talking about the great eight, the great eight, and great assurances out of Romans chapter 8. And last uh, Two weeks ago, we started, and we're focusing on the verses that start with eight, uh, or, or have the, the, the number eight in them, and we looked at verse eight a couple of weeks ago, and the war of the wills, and then last week, we looked at verse 18, the reasons for our suffering. <clears throat> but today, we're going to look at one of the really great promises in the Word of God, uh, Romans eight twenty-eight, and it says uh, this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And this verse stands on its own as a, as a great promise and assurance, but it's also connected uh, with a couple of other verses that follow. And so I want us to take a look today at... Uh, Really, I'm, I'm probably just going to look at this point at uh, verse 28, but I'm going to read all three, and maybe we'll come back to the others next week. But let's stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn <clears throat> among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Thank you for standing, and you can be seated. For those that, of you that don't know me, uh, I'm Owen Bozeman, and I'm a, a preaching guest uh, during this season as your pastor is, is going through uh, treatments for his diagnosed uh, illness of cancer. And praise God, he's coming to the end of this first round in this next week. Amen? <laughs> praise the Lord. 
And I'll be finishing up this series next Sunday, the Lord willing, and he'll be back in the pulpit on Father's Day. And so we look forward to that. But today I think what I want to do, uh, and, and I was struggling and actually talked with a church member prior, I, I was thinking about maybe cutting this, this sermon in half, and I think I'm going to go ahead and do that, and just going to look at this, this one main verse of Romans 8:28, and I want to talk today, I, I guess, about uh, God's will, God's will for us in salvation, God's will for us in salvation. And this is a great, wonderful verse and has a lot of assurance for us, but what can it mean for us today, especially in the times in which we are living? I have a friend who calls me uh, every Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock. Sometime between 5 and 6, I will hear from this gentleman that I met in one of the churches that I served as an interim at here in the state of Georgia. And yet, ever since that time, he has called me every Saturday afternoon <clears throat> to see how I'm doing. And really, it's amazing when you think about it, because this is a man who uh, has been through a lot in his life. Uh, he's been through a variety of illnesses. Uh, he himself has been through cancer and, and a tremendous struggle with cancer. Uh, he's 75 years old, but he still has to work a part-time job in maintenance at a department store. And yet, Brother Chris, I want you to know every week when he calls me, he asks about you, and he says he's praying for First Baptist Church, Brunswick. And he has something that he often says to me, and almost every week it comes up, but he always says to me, you know, God is in charge, and he never makes a mistake. Almost every week he says that, and you know, sometimes when we hear somebody say something like that, we, it gives us pause, and we say, well, God may not make some mistakes, but I think he might have missed some situations along the way. I mean, do you ever feel that way? But not my friend. No, not my friend. He says that God never makes a mistake. Do you believe that? Why does my friend believe that? Because of this text we're going to look at today, this great assurance that we find in God's Word from Romans 8, 28. You know, whole sermon series... And courses and books have been written on these three verses and, and even individual words in these verses. And with God's help, we're going to uncover the first of these three verses today and come back to the others next week. But let's take a look at Romans 8, 28 and what it says to us today. Number one, it talks to us about God's will for us, His purpose. God's will for us, His purpose. Romans 8.28 is much written about, memorized and loved by people. For some, it may have been a life verse, maybe a verse that you chose to memorize for yourself uh, as a theme for your life and all of the ups and downs that we have. <clears throat> Why is it so special? Why is Romans 8.28 so special? Because it helps us to make sense of our suffering and the hardships that we go through in life. It gives us uh, something to hold on to, a ground zero, a, a true north, a sense of purpose in the midst of all of our problems. Notice first, it's certainty. And we know. Say that with me. And we know. And Paul loves those words, we know. He says at times, now we know. For we know. If we know. Don't you know. But here he says in this verse, and we know. 
And the Greek word for know means to know about, to possess information. You know, sometimes when troubles come in life and when crises come up in our world, in our country, and around the world, uh, you know, we, we struggle with, with what we know, with what we know and what we don't know. And we're always trying to find out more about what we don't know. But Paul says, no matter what happens, there's something that you can always know. And this word know in the Greek is the perfect tense, and that means the action is already completed. And so there is a complete knowledge. There is a divine knowledge, if you will, something that we can know no matter what. And it's this, that God has a purpose. We can know God's purpose with certainty. But second, notice with me, it's the extent. What is the extent? The extent is all things. Some translations say, in all things. So not just in some things, but in all things. And all things means what? All things. Say that with me. All things. An old favorite of mine that I was introduced to, a guy who talked really funny as a preacher, J. Vernon McGee. Anybody ever heard of J. Vernon McGee? Wow. He's long since gone to heaven, but he writes in his little commentary on Romans about this. All things means all things good and bad, bright and dark, sweet and bitter, easy and hard, happy and sad, prosperity and poverty, health and sickness, calm and storm, comfort and suffering, life and death. So we can know in all things, in whatever happens, in everything that happens, that God has a purpose. What is that purpose? Look thirdly this morning at its intent. That God causes all things to work together according to his purpose. In all things that happen, God is at work for good. And notice that all things is not the subject. If all things is the subject, then we are the object, and we're just objects, and we're in trouble. But that's not the case in this text. God is the subject. And because God is the subject, then we know that the object, all things, that God can take all things and work them together for good. Notice this verse, and I think most of you know this, it doesn't say all things are good, amen? doesn't say that. It doesn't say even that God causes all things. No, you've got to read on. It says God causes all things to work together for good. But what is good? Many times we read this text, he works things together for our good but it doesn't say that it says for good what is good good is God's purpose one of the basic things that we are taught about the nature of God is that God is good amen the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is what is good you know that as somebody once said God is good All the time, and all the time, God is good. 
You've heard that. I remember the first time I heard it because it came out of the mouth of one of the most famous preachers in the state of Georgia. Now that preacher has fallen under a cloud of disgrace. But I'll tell you that the disgrace of a man does not change the grace of God. No matter what happens in this world, God is still good. Amen? And he's good all the time. What he does is good. What he purposes is good. In the creation narratives of Genesis, every time God created something, he said, it is what? It is good. What God creates, what God purposes is good. And the Greek word for purpose means to set forth publicly, to present something as on a table. And it refers to the presented plans of God his will, and God always has a will. And sometimes bad things happen. And we, we think, well, well, God had nothing to do with that. And we think uh, sometimes he may not have had anything to do with it, but he has a purpose in it. Now, I'm not here to defend God, because I don't always know what God has something to do with and what he doesn't have anything to do with, but I'll tell you something. He promises us in this that no matter what happens, he has a purpose in it, and he can take whatever happens and he can work it for his good. It may be the good of one, it may be the good of many, it may be the good of a whole people or a whole country, it may be the good of his own glory, it may be all three. Remember in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Joseph. And Joseph, the son of Jacob, who later was called Israel, and he had 11 brothers. And Joseph's life started off well, and he was favored by his father, and his brothers were jealous because of that. And so what did they do? They threw him down in a pit, and they told his father that he was dead, and they sold him into slavery. Now you talk about... uh, problems with your family you know some of us want to blame everything on what happened when we were growing up but not Joseph he was sold out of that pit uh, into to slavery and he was taken up because of his character and the quality of his life by a leading man in Egypt by the name of Potiphar but uh, Potiphar's hormonally challenged wife falsely accused him and so He was taken and he was thrown into prison because of that. Now, some of us have been falsely accused by something. Somewhere along the way, you think you haven't been treated right. And you want to blame everything that's happened in your life on that. But not Joseph. So Joseph was in prison. And uh, because he was close to the Lord, he had the ability to interpret these dreams. And uh, he interpreted a dream and and it, it, it got a friend out of prison. But that friend forgot about him, and he languished there in the prison. And he could have said, well, you know, the problem in this country is the prison system, that it is unfair, and things are not done right here. And he could have blamed it on that, on society, and on the criminal justice code, and all these other things, but he didn't do that. No, he didn't. He kept his trust and his faith in God. And because of his great ability, and because God's hand was on his life, You know the rest of the story that he was raised up out of that pit. He was raised up out of that false accusation. He was raised up out of that prison to become the second 
most powerful person in all of Egypt. You can read all about that in, in the great book of Genesis. But we know that when he came to power, uh, a famine came upon the land and, and God was using him to prepare the nation for that. And his own family came looking for help. And you remember what Joseph famously said to his brothers later on. He said to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for what? For good. God has an intended purpose. He had a, a purpose for Joseph, and he had a purpose for God's people through Joseph, and one that would bring glory to himself. And we're still talking about it today like I just did. And that purpose was good. It was good because God is good. And this is an incredibly important foundation for our faith, no matter what happens, to remember that God is good. You know, some years ago, I, I believe it was a playwright and, that recorded these words as part of a play. And he said, uh, if God is God, he is not good. And if God is good... He is not God. What did he mean by that in that play? He was saying, well, if God is God, he must not be good because if he's in control of everything, he's letting a lot of things happen that are really bad. He must not be a good God. But then on the other hand, if God is good, he's not God. He's a good God, but somehow in all of his goodness, he's not in control, and therefore he must not be God. And so if God is God, he's not good. And if God is good, he's not God. But we know the rest of the story, amen. We know that the Bible tells us that, that God is good. And this, this playwright didn't understand the truth of Scripture, that God is good and that he's constantly working all things together for his good. So we can be certain, we can know that to every extent in all things that God has an intent to work things together for good according to his purpose. But is this promise for everyone? Well, let's look finally at its recipient. And its recipient, Paul says, is those who love God, those who are called so my question this morning is this, is this promise, Romans 8, 28, for everyone, that in all things God will work for the good for everyone? With great care and much humility, I must tell you the answer is no. This promise is not for all people. It is for God's people. Do you understand why that's important? You know, we have a lot of complaints about our culture. We have a lot of complaints about our country. We have a lot of complaints about the world. But really, it all comes back to God's people and what we're doing. Our country is not in covenant with God. And, and we know that in the beginning, it seems like that it was, but there are many reasons to question why we're not the only people who are in covenant with God are those who have come to know God through saving faith in Jesus Christ. Does God rain blessings down on the, on the just and the unjust? Yes. Does God bring good into the lives of unbelievers? Absolutely yes. Does God work 
All things together for the good of everyone? Yes, if they love God. If they have been called and come into covenant with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So if you are a child of God, then God will work in all things for good all the time according to his purpose and for his glory. Now let me clarify one more thing here. What does of those who love him mean? Be careful here. This verse is not saying that if we love God enough that something bad may not have happened. That's not what it's saying. Love is not a cause here. Love is a response. It is not prescriptive. It is descriptive of those who have been called. The people of God will keep on loving God no matter what happens. Can I get an amen? Back in Romans chapter 5, we learn that as God's children, he has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we keep on loving because our hearts are filled with his love. And even though we face suffering, as we talked about last week, we keep on loving him, knowing that he is working for good in the lives of those whom he has called. And so how can we know if we're among the called? Another way to put that question is, how can I know that I'm a child of God? I want to be, or I want to be able to face whatever comes as God's purpose and God's will for my life. How can I do that with certainty in all things that God is working for the good? How can I get in on that purpose? If you're already a Christian, you're already on the way. But if you're not, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I wish I was in control. Do you ever feel that way? I went down to breakfast this morning in the hotel that I'm staying in, and a lot of people were gathered waiting for the doors to come up because it's a really good breakfast. One reason I enjoy coming to Brunswick. (laughs) The cinnamon rolls are out of this world. And everybody was waiting for that. But I don't know why people have to have the television on first thing in the morning. And I came out, and there were kids there, and there was a show on about somebody having been murdered and committing suicide. And I said, we don't need to listen to this. I am in control. And I saw a remote control, and I walked over, and I picked it up and said, y'all don't want to hear about suicide, do you? All these people looking at me, and I clicked the button, and nothing happened. (laughs) It was a dummy. (laughs) And I felt like a dummy. And I put it down and turned around, but the woman behind the desk, she saw what I was doing. She said, you know, this isn't appropriate for children, is it? And I said, no, it's not. And she turned it off. And I thank God because she sure saved me that morning, this morning. You know, no matter what's happening, and whether we fail to control something or not, there is somebody sitting behind the desk that controls everything, amen? And that's the Lord God whom we know through Jesus Christ. And this verse is so important for us. You know, last week uh, I told you about my lawnmower breaking down. Remember that? 
and I fixed it and it broke down again because I lost the ability to steer it because of one little clip and I said one little clip out of the scripture Romans 8 28 can help you to hold things together and get you back on the road again and guess what my clip came in the mail this week and I installed it and my lawnmower works just great I was driving around my yard so happy so proud and then a truck came driving down the street and it was one of those pine straw trucks now for years I've known not to make eye contact with those guys because you know if you're not from Georgia you don't understand pine straw is a thing I mean, we got a lot of pine trees, and so we use pine straw to decorate our yards. And, and I thought, okay, you know, there he is again. And uh, I have saved so much money fixing this lawnmower myself that I'm going to talk with this guy and see what he'll do. And so he stopped and got out, and boy, he was all for it until I told him what I would pay. And then we managed to strike an agreement, and they got to throwing pine straw out, and we were talking, and he was grumbling. I said, well, you know, I just want to let you know something. I'm going to pay you what I get paid every week in my job. I'm going to pay you the same thing. And so that kind of changed things a little bit. And I said, he said, what do you do? And I'm a preacher, I said. So he went on, and then his brother came to me. And uh, he said, I heard you're a preacher. I, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, Sure. What's your name? And he said, Solomon. I said, you're kidding, right? I said, what's your brother's name? And he said, David. <laughs> no kidding. And I said, well, how many children are in your family? He said, nine. Do they all have biblical names? Only me and my brother. He said, well, I want to tell you a story. And I said, well, what is that? He said, you know, uh, I was raised up in a good family, but I got in a lot of trouble in my life. And I got in so much trouble that I had to go to prison and I lost my wife and my family. I lost everything. But not only was I bad growing up and got thrown into prison, but I was bad while I was in prison. And he said, they threw me in the hole. And that's that place where they put you in solitary confinement, only let you out for one hour a day and you get all your meals in there, no contact with other prisoners, only with a guard. You can hear things going on, but if you've ever visited in prisons, you probably know about what they call the hole. And he said, one day I shouted out from the hole, I want something to read. And so they brought me a book and they shoved it in through the slot and it was a Bible. And he said, I don't want that book, I want a novel, I want something else to read. And a voice came from the other side and said, hey, this is the book you need to read given what's going on right now in your life. And he said, I picked up the Bible for the first time since I was a, a boy and everything began to change. And here I am today, a free man working with my brother. And he said, I only have one regret. He said, I wish that my parents could see how my life has turned around. They're passed on. And I said, Solomon, maybe somehow they can, but one day when you get to heaven, they'll know, amen, what God has done in your life. And I tell that story to end this morning by saying this. Many of us find ourselves in a hole in life right now. Maybe like Joseph, you've been thrown down into some kind of pit it's not even of your own doing, or maybe you dug your own hole. And you're going through a hard time. 
This morning what I'm doing is I'm taking a Bible and I'm throwing it in your hole. And I'm saying that God has a word for you today that you can get up and get out of that hole. And I like what Brother Chris said and what Brother Britton said also that uh, baptism reminds us of what kind of hole God can get us out of, amen? That whatever we're in in sin, God can raise us up out of that. And so whatever situation you're in, no matter how bad it is, I want you to know that our God can get you up out of that pit, and God can get you up out of that hole. Can I get an amen this morning? But here's the other pit. We're all in a pit called sin, and we're all going to die in that sin. But Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth to lift us out of that hole, to lift us out of that pit, to take the price, pay the price for our sin on the cross and be raised from the dead so that we can be raised up to be brand new people. And today God wants to do that in your life. And I plan to talk about Romans 28, 8, 29, and 30. I'm going to come back to that next week. But it reminds us that God knew you before you were ever born. And at some point in your life, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the calling of God, God is going to call your name. And when God calls your name, then you need to respond by faith. Because it is by faith that we are saved. It is by faith that we're justified. And God has done everything he can do to this point. But when he calls you, and he calls your name today, no matter if you're seven or 75, or somewhere in between. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to come to him. That's his will for you in Christ. Let's bow together as we pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. And I just kind of knew God was going to do something a little bit different today. And, and I feel like God is here and God is at work God is a God of grace. He's also a God of judgment. But God judges us far less than we think, and he loves us far more than we could ever imagine. And in God's grace, he wants you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So you can avoid all of the the problems in this world as far as it's up to you in walking by faith. And so that you can avoid eternal judgment and not go to hell and go to heaven and today I just want to pray a simple prayer that you can pray right where you are and invite the gracious God of eternity who we know through Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life and to save your soul and if you'd like to pray that prayer today I'd like to model it for you It's not the words so much as the attitude of the heart. But if you'd like to pray this prayer and you've never done it, I'd like for you to pray along with me. God's calling your name today. Listen. And pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I know that Jesus died on the cross 
for my sin and rose from the grave. Please forgive me of all of my sin. Come and live in my life. I turn away from sin and I invite you in, Lord Jesus, to sit on the throne of my heart in my life. And I believe that you're going to save me because the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, this is my seventh time with you this year. This is the first time I've done this, but the Lord's led me to do it today. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking, whether you're seven or 70 or younger or older or anywhere in between, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it and you mean business for God from this day forward, I'd like for you to stand with no one else looking. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you stand? Would you stand? It's okay to do that. Yeah, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your courage for standing. I want to pray for you. No one looking, no one watching. Father, I thank you for each person who has stood in this moment. God, I know what that's like. I know what it takes. But Father, you've given them the strength to stand and publicly say that they prayed that prayer. And now, Father, I pray that you will help them to do what Chris talked about a moment ago, and that is identifying publicly with Christ, whether it's at the end of this service, at the invitation time, or whether it is later speaking to Pastor Chris or myself or someone after the service. Father, I pray that they will come and, and they will say, I, I prayed that prayer so that we can help them to know where to go from here as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. I pray that, that you'll help them now to not doubt what they have done because there's all kind of doubt and it goes back to the evil one. I pray that, Father, they will doubt their doubt and they will believe now their beliefs and what they have done based on the solid foundation that we sung about earlier of Jesus Christ. And I pray in his name.